What is going on, your Giants fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. I haven't done one since April, and I was thinking over the past week, on vacation, I'm like, you know what? When I come back, I have a lot of topics to cover. And then I started thinking, should I get the podcast going? Should I do a live stream? I said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and we're going to do a podcast episode. But you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Obviously, the channel on YouTube. Boys and Big Apple Podcast obviously is there as well. Um, This week, it's going to be Friday. Next week, it's going to be Monday, most likely. uh, Because of our schedules and stuff like that, we're reverting back to Mondays. But you can find this podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite platforms. Also, as well, this might turn into a regular thing. For the season, I know I did videos most of the off-season, kind of just like, you know, to have a better time schedule for myself, but there's not going to be, I guess, a direct schedule with this podcast, but it will be probably at least once a week. Um, I'm very excited to bring this back, of course, guests, stuff like that. If you look at the right side of your screen, there are the topics uh, for today. But if you are listening on a podcast platform, preseason week one wrap-up, you get the Giants cutting Alfred Morris, Keon Crossan getting traded to the New York Giants, Isaac Yadam getting traded to the Green Bay Packers, the O-line depth situation, which is very concerning, also the Giants and Browns preview, which is going to be very exciting, going to have a guest on for that one. So the way I'll do the wrap-up for the preseason in terms of week one against the Jets is going to be stock up, stock down, teeter-tottering, and basically just a recap of basically what happened and what happened with every position. So, I have more stock up than stock down, honestly, because a lot of the players I did not see like a lot of uh, snaps out of or it's uh, you know, it's too early to judge on some players. Like, Tay Crowder, he had one bad play, but I'm not going to say, well, he had a bad night. No, I'm not going to say that. Also, we're doing snap counts, so that's also going to be a part of the schedule for today in terms of the week one wrap-up. So, David Sills. I want to talk about David Sills for a second. Um, he is on the stock up. He had three receptions for 49 yards. He dropped two passes, and you could debate, oh, was bad a throw by Torson, this, that, and the other thing. He was targeted five times. In my opinion, both of those passes should have been caught. And was Torson a good quarterback in his time with the Giants? Absolutely not. I mean, the one game being the Jets game that he showed, he wasn't good. He was like 5 for 16 or something like that. But if you're going to make the roster, if you're going to stand out from some of the other receivers that are competing, you need to do stuff. And David Sills has always been known as not like a route runner, not a Kadarius Tony type of guy. But a guy where he's going to go out and get the football, kind of like a Kenny Galladay. I'm not saying he's Kenny Galladay. Or a Darius Slayton kind of guy. And those were ideally two passes. The fourth down one being the most kind of resonating with what David Sills and the type of receiver he is. Um, With that being said, he should have caught that fourth down one. But, you know, so far he's had a good camp. So far, you know, other than those two drops, however you want to define them, he had some uh, 
good targets, good receptions, whatever you want to call it. He did have that big, I think it was like a 34-yard reception. He beat, I believe it was Brandon Eichels or somebody on the outside to get a big gain. Unfortunately, the Giants did not score on that drive. Uh, I forget how that ended, but it did not end in a touchdown. Only one drive ended in a touchdown, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people are worrying about the offensive line, the starting offensive line. Can't say that I am as of right now. As of right now, I'm not saying, you know, a week or two, I won't be uh, throwing all my stuff away, burning papers, doing shit like that. Um, with that being said, I thought the starting line didn't do that bad. There's two players that I would point out that didn't really do good. Well, actually, one on just one play, and then he did find the rest of the game. One player was absolute garbage. So you take a look at uh, the offensive line. I'll set it like this. They were in for like two or three series. You had Andrew Thomas. Who didn't play bad. Uh, he played very well. Uh, obviously, you guys can trust Bobby Skinner with the film breakdowns and stuff like that. He was a former offensive lineman. I'm not, so I'm not going to be doing this stuff. But he said that, you know, sometimes he would trust his athleticism a little too much. But with that being said, Thomas really didn't have a bad play. He actually tossed a guy to the ground on one of the snaps, but it was an incomplete pass. But that's still worthy of showing on tape and stuff like that. Uh... Kenny Wiggins, the left guard, he was absolute trash. That's the guy that I was talking about. You know, this guy, uh, you know, is one of the guys on the offensive line that really didn't play well. Kenny Wiggins did not play well. Uh, getting beat inside, stuff like that. And a lot of people can say, oh, Shane Lemieux, he's bad in pass protection. Kenny Wiggins has started how many games in his career? And he's been in the NFL since, I think, 2014, if I'm going to say that. Yeah, 2014, and even then, if it's not 2012 or whatever year he started playing, he's had veteran experience. He's like 30, 31, 32 years old. You have to know that stuff by now. And obviously, this is why he's gotten cut from multiple rosters in Detroit and Los Angeles. So, that's kind of my thought process on him. He wasn't doing well. He didn't do good with the second team either. I mean, the second team was just straight-up monkey garbage. I mean, if I'm putting it bluntly, they were not good. They were trash. Um, I'm not saying, oh, well, they're going to make the roster, stuff like that, but that's depth on the roster. That's something very concerning for the New York Giants, and we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, Nick Gates played well. Will Hernandez played awesome. I'd love to see that out of Will Hernandez. Sure, it's one game. It's preseason, but he did really well in pass blocking and in run blocking as well. I saw the pulls he was doing. He looks faster in that. He did lose, I believe, about 20 pounds to kind of make him go faster. And with that being said, you go to Matt Parrott, who both of them have actually been working out this offseason. Uh, with that being said, Parrott did struggle on one snap. He got beat on the edge by Bryce Huff. He opened up his hips too early. And, uh, well, Glennon got sacked, unfortunately. But the rest of the game, he was, he was fine. You know, obviously, there's some nooks and crannies within his play, but nothing that cannot be fixed. So... Am I too worried about the starting O-line? I want to get Shane Lemieux back, of course. But am I too worried about Gates and Hernandez and Thomas? Not really worried, honestly. But we'll talk about that later in the show. Carter Coughlin, he had a excellent night. Sure, you could say, oh, well, it's, you know, against two teamers, three teamers, whatever you want to talk about. But um, Coughlin did well. Obviously, he has versatility on the edge, and now he's at, inside linebacker now he's going to be the starter of course not but with that being said he has versatility you know wherever he plays 
Inside linebacker, he can rush the passer. Edge, if he plays on the edge, well, he's going to go out and uh, cover for you or just do something in the run game. Like, you know, he's fast. He's got good athleticism. He's got good IQ. And he actually had a big night, at least that I would say and many other people would say. Five tackles, one tackle for a lost sack and a forced fumble. Unfortunately, it was recovered by the Jets, but that's still something there. Um, whether you force it with your hand or your helmet, he still made a play. Congratulations, Carter Coughlin. Sandra Platzgummer. I've been saying Platzgummer for the last 12 months plus. I don't know why I've been saying that. But four attempts, 51 rushing yards and one target. Unfortunately, the target that was thrown at him... Uh, that was just a total bullet of a check down. Like, why are you throwing that? A, he's covered. B, why are you throwing it 700 miles an hour? Again, this is why Clayton Torson is no longer on the roster, despite the fact that he has a concussion. Obviously, I don't wish that among anybody. But with that being said, he had that long, I think it was like 49-yard run or something like that. He later got a, uh, I think it was like a two-yard loss after that run. But that was a big run. And... Gary Brightwell didn't play, the running game was meh, but that was probably the first best or second best offensive play of the game, other than the Sills thing, and a lot of these pathway program guys don't get on the roster, they don't get on NFL rosters, they just, you know, get a chance in the preseason, their exemption, and then they don't do anything, but Sandro Platzgummer honestly has a chance with the way Corey Clement played, excuse me for the stuttering, with the way Clement played on that fumble. Now, if he didn't fumble, obviously the chances for Platzgummer would simmer. And we wouldn't be talking about him possibly making the roster as much or whatever. And Brightwell didn't play once again, as I added. But Platzgummer, he had a good night. Uh, unfortunately, once again, that target was a 700 miles an hour. But um, he had that nice big run. And not just that it was you know the biggest offensive play of the game. It got them out of the end zone. Because if it wasn't for that, and if it wasn't for the missed tackle by someone who actually tried to tackle him for a safety, they missed the tackle blatantly, and he just cut to the outside. Um, you know, the offense would likely have not had as much yards as they had, obviously. And uh, it's not like that really counted for anything, because Giants did not score points on that drive, unfortunately, once again. So, the next player, CJ Board, I thought he did decently. Two kick returns, 49 yards, two punt returns, 31 yards, and two targets. I honestly like what he brought to the special teams aspect. Obviously, last year's special team struggled. He didn't really get any chances, or if he got chances, he didn't get much on kick returning and punt returning. But with the starters not playing in week one, a lot of guys got to showcase you know, what they could do. CJ Board, obviously more than just a special teams guy, a receiver, and a Kick returner, punt returner, just in case Drupal Peppers or John Ross gets injured. Both those guys, I think, uh, were up and practicing. If they weren't, then they're still injured. Uh, I'm talking in-season, of course. I'm not talking just the actual situation right now. But I thought C.J. Board didn't actually do bad. I thought he did decent on kick returns. Now, I'm not a special teams guy, but that's just the eye test. That's what I saw. Uh, the next guy, Rice and John, three receptions, 14 yards, and four targets. I don't think he's a bad guy either. I think... That last year, we didn't get to see him, so we didn't know what the fuck to expect. But with this guy, uh, he actually did decent against the Jets. He's been decent in camp. And I think if Kyle Rudolph, you know, whether he gets activated off PUP or he doesn't before the season, I think that third, fourth tight end spot is open between 
uh, Rice and John, Cole Hikatini, Nakia Griffin Stewart. There's a lot of guys there because Toy Lolo tore his ACL or Achilles. I still get them mixed up to this day. Uh, I don't know why. Don't ask me that. But um, I think Rice and John could potentially be a guy that makes this roster as a four tight end. But once again, we're only going off one game. And also, there's other tight ends. With that being said, he's also eligible for the practice squad again. So we'll see what happens. Isaac Yadam, obviously he's gone now. But I didn't think he had a bad game. Isaac Yadam, I didn't think he had a bad game. Obviously, he's gone to Green Bay now. Um, they did the zone stuff. They didn't really do a lot of man-to-man. Rodarius Williams, he did struggle a little bit. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Madre Harper, obviously wasn't that great. But... Isaac Yadam didn't do bad. I didn't really see any receptions that he gave up. If he gave up receptions, then they were short. They weren't, you know, any touchdown receptions or any stuff like that. You know, long receptions and whatever. But I thought Yadam played well. And if he would have stayed, I thought he would have been a depth piece. Obviously, I did a roster bubble video on him uh, just a few short weeks ago. And obviously, that doesn't mean anything now because, well, he got traded for Josh Jackson. We'll talk about that later in the show once again. Uh, Matt Cole, he did not really play much offensive snaps, but that one special team where he knocked it out of the end zone, uh, that was that was a good play. And we've been looking for guys that can be gunners and stuff like that, but if you show that, and a lot of these wide receivers and cornerbacks and stuff like that, you know, usually in the fourth game on a regular basis, going back to years and years and years, even with the Shermer era and whoever... If you were on the cusp of making the roster and getting cut, special teams was your way of getting onto the roster. Like, uh, Cody Core, the Giants saw special teams' duties and uh, abilities in him, so that's why they picked him up and cut Alonzo Russell, because I guess they didn't see Alonzo Russell as a special teams guy. Once again, that was in the Shermer era, but in terms of Matt Cole... You know, he made a great play, and obviously that stands out to Joe Judge and Thomas McGahee, who are both special teams coaches. And then you look at the next guy, the final guy for stock up, Damian Willis, two targets, one reception, 21 yards, and a touchdown. He should have had a second touchdown, but Clayton Torson wildly overthrew him. And once again, that's probably why he's not on the roster, other than the fact that he has a concussion. But, uh, you know, Willis worked his way in route running against Corey Ballantyne, the former New York Giant, and he got a touchdown. Uh... Torson came out of the pocket, just threw it up. That was, what, I think, like, 21-yard touchdown. Exactly. So, uh, that is for the stock up, stock down. We're going to talk about Clayton Torson is our first guy. 5 for 16, 72 yards, a touchdown, and four sacks. I'm not saying that the offensive line did not have an impact on Torson, but he was wildly inaccurate. We mentioned already the Damian Willis touchdown. The checkdown attempt to Sandro Platzgarmer. Some of the other passes in the game. He was not good. And you can make the excuse, oh, well, he hasn't played preseason in two years. I don't know that that's a guy you're going to be wanting, you know, especially, once again, it, it was one week. But I don't know that's a guy that you're going to be wanting on your practice squad just in case you have to call him up because Daniel Jones or Mike Lennon gets injured. You know, We'll see what Brian Lewerk does this week. Lewerky, Lewerk, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But hopefully he's slightly better than Torson. But I'm not going to guarantee that because he's never played in the preseason. Though Lewerk has played with the Spring League Football League or the SFL or something like that. Spring League Football. So he does have some experience 
with lower level players. Obviously, he is one. You know, he's not a franchise quarterback. But in terms of Torsten, you know, he got released or is on IR with an injury designation, some shit like that. But he just wasn't good. He was not good. He was awful. Sorry, we have to spit the facts here. Mike Lennon, 3 for 7, 20 yards and 1 sack. Obviously, the 1 sack wasn't his fault. Um, some say he held on to the ball for too long. I say Matt Parrott got beat on the outside and Bryce Huff got the best of him on that one snap. But Glennon didn't do so great either. Some were wild incompletions, but he only threw the ball seven times, which obviously, why, which is obviously why he was not as bad as Clayton Torson. And he only played, what, two, three series. The rest of the game was Clayton Torson's. And obviously... That plays into why the offense didn't score more than once. The next guy probably deals with most of the second O-line. Jake Burton, Kenny Wiggins, and Chad Slade. I'll break them down slowly. Uh, Jake Burton wasn't good on the inside. Pressures, sacks, stuff like that. Same thing could be said with Kenny Wiggins. Even on the first team, he was getting beat on the inside. You know... I'll say this, and I'm not an O-line guy, as I've mentioned 27 times before. But it's better to get beat on the outside as a tackle, because at least the quarterback can step up in the pocket. If you get beat on the inside as a guard, the quarterback has to run to the right or just run to the left. That's harder. Because what if the other defensive end has nice contain and gets a sack on the quarterback? Then you're screwed. So obviously... Being that Burton and Wiggins didn't play well. And Chad Slay didn't play well either. I thought he was okay to below average. He was the right tackle, of course. That's different than the offensive guard spots. But also as well as the fact that Jonathan Harrison didn't play. Joe Looney and Zach Fulton retired. So these are the guys we're literally trusting with our lives as of right now as depth pieces on the roster. Unless, and this is likely, unless they go out and get somebody... Uh, near the waiver claim deadline or wherever that is. That's usually after the 53-man cutdown. So, obviously, we can't predict that. But I think that's going to happen if the Giants don't find a guy to back up Shane Lemieux and Hernandez. Unless Jonathan Harrison reverts to guard and stuff like that, but you do need a backup center, and I don't think they're leaving one interior offensive lineman as their backup offensive lineman for the interior. I just don't think that's going to happen. Madre Harper... He didn't necessarily do well. Uh, he got that one pass interference penalty where he grabbed the guy's jersey, almost got the interception for the touchdown. But uh, in terms of that, just just wasn't good uh, in zone coverage, man coverage. Obviously, once again, they played a lot of zone. But Madre Harper, I felt, did not play a good game. Not saying I won't be rooting for him to make the roster or any stuff like that, but right now he has to still fight an uphill battle. Uh, we have yet to see the other cornerbacks play being the starters, but now with Josh Jackson coming in, Keon Crossan coming in, he has to prove his spot even more and even more. Uh, you look at teeter-tottering, Corey Clement, uh, five rushes, 32 yards, and a fumble. If it wasn't for the fumble, he'd be stock up because he was one of the reasons that the running game you know, was teeter-tottering. If it wasn't for him and maybe the one or two runs by Devontae Booker and Sandra Plattsgummer as well, running game would absolutely be nothing. And we'd be talking about how the Giants are bad in the running game again, at least in the preseason. But Corey Clement did have approximately about six yards per carry before the fumble, unfortunately. And you cannot fumble in the red zone. 
I'm not saying that Clement will make the roster because of that. But when you know that this team has had red zone issues year after year after year, and then you fumble in the red zone, and your team hasn't scored yet, that's kind of tough to swallow if you're one of the Giants coaches. Just saying. And there were Darius Williams. He had some nice plays. He had some good plays, bad plays, whatever. I just think that he had more of a struggling night. But as Patrick Graham said, it wasn't necessarily all that bad because he got the experience. He got the targets. He got the plays made. And this is a six-round guy. This is probably the most, in my personal opinion, he's going to ever play this season, whether it's preseason or special teams. Because if you look at the cornerbacks on the Giants roster, they have good good depth at the corner spot. You got Love, uh, who could play safety and corner. You obviously got the two starting, Dory Jackson and James Bradbury. You got Darnay Holmes, who played a little bit in this game. Uh, you have Keon Crossan. You have Josh Jackson. You have some of the other guys on this roster. Maybe Aaron Robinson comes back in time for the 53-man cutdown. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he starts the year on PUP, stuff like that. But uh, Radarius Williams, this is good for him. You know, maybe it's not encouraging that he gave up, what was it, 99 yards on 8 receptions and 10 targets and stuff like that. But you have to look at the brighter side of things, the silver lining. Gave up a lot of receptions, got a lot of targets thrown at him, but this is a learning experience. And you can't expect, oh, the 6th round pick, he's going to make 7 plays in a row. No, 6th round pick for a reason. And a lot of people felt that he was supposed to go in the 3rd round, Obviously, there was a reason that he got delayed till the bitter end of the sixth round. The, I would say, uh, Mr. Irrelevant of the Giants draft class. But real quickly, real quickly before we break into our next subject, here is the breakdown of snaps coming from the Jets game. So you got Kenny Wiggins who played 85%, David Sills 67, Jackson Barton 62, Jake Burton 62, Brett Hedgie 62, Chad Slade 62%, Clayton Torson 62%, Dante Pettis 50%, Alex Bachman 48%, Andrew Thomas 38%, same with Caden Smith, Matt Parrott, Mike Glennon, Nick Gates, and Will Hernandez. Obviously those are the starters except for Glennon. I'm talking of course about the offensive line and Caden Smith being a tight end. Uh, then you go to C.J. Board, who played 35%, Hikatini, 33%, Nakia Griffin-Stewart, 27%, Darius Slayton, 27%, who played mostly with the starters, and then Rice and John at 25%, and then after Rice and John is Corey Clement, who played 23% of the snaps, and it was pretty much split even from there. You take a look at the defensive side, if I could pull that up just real quickly. Uh, Madre Harper played 87% of the defensive snaps for Darius Williams, 79. Trent Harris, 77, who did make some plays. Uh, Devontae Downs, 69%. Quincy Wilson, 68%. Isaac Yadam, 65%. Chris Johnson, the free safety, 64%. Um, Raymond Johnson, 64% as well. Nico Lalo, 61%. David Moa, the defensive tackle, 53%, who did have a forced fumble, I believe. Uh, Josh Kalu, who unfortunately tore his pectoral and is now on IR. We'll talk about that just in a little bit. Uh, 47%. Reggie Ragland, 44%. Fede Odenigbo, 42%. Elijah Qualls, defensive tackle, 36%. William Henry, 36%. Carter Coughlin, 31%. BJ Hill, 31%. Julian Love, 29%. Austin Johnson, 26%. Tay Crowder, 23%. Aziz Ojolari, 21%. And Danny Shelton, 21%. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up for the defensive side. Also, TJ Brunson played 14% of the snaps. 
before he tore his ACL, obviously. That is not something good to see if you're a New York Giants fan in terms of linebacker depth, but it was debatable whether Brunson would have made an impact on this roster in 2021 or not. Um, so that's pretty much that. So let's start out this segment with some transactions that have happened within the past week. Giants cut down their roster to about 86-85 players, one exemption being Sandra Platt's government part of the Pathway program. Kyle Murphy, he was put on IR with an ankle injury. That means he's out for the season unless he gets cut with an injury designation. TJ Brunson, who had that big forced fumble, later leading to a Giants touchdown towards ACL, he's out for the season. And Josh Kalu, the former Tennessee Titan, he's out for the season with a torn pectoral. So obviously, hope they all have a speedy recovery. Then, as a part of cutdowns, um, I don't know if this is in chronological order or not, but these are all transactions that have happened in the past week. The Giants also cut Alfred Morris, who had two rushes and negative four yards in the Jets game. And they also cut Chris Milton, who did not play against the New York Jets um, so those two guys were cut also as well the Giants acquired Keon Crossan from the Houston Texans for a sixth round pick in 2023 so that's obviously a little while from now but Crossan mainly brings special teams value obviously last year with all the punt coverage and the kick return coverage not great um, Crossan, he was a second-round pick of the New England Patriots, so obviously you see the Patriot connection here. Uh, played a total of 11 games in 2018, 2019, played all 16. Started four games in 2020 with the Texans. Obviously, they weren't a good team, and then he played all 16 games there, but got most of his playing time in Houston, not really in New England. But in terms of the stats, now stats can be taken this way or that way. But in Houston, his completion percentage and a lot of the other things are not bad for his type of a caliber corner. Now, the first two years in New England, 2018, he allowed seven completions on eight targets, total 97 yards, no touchdowns, 117.2 passer rating, uh, and an 87.5 completion rating. The following year, with the Texans, excuse me, uh, I think I messed up before, but he was with the Texans in 2019. I think they traded him to the Texans in 2019. But he allowed a 66.7 completion percentage, four completions on six targets, 35 yards, no touchdowns, and 81.9 passer rating. Then he got the most playing time in 2020 when they were short on corners and stuff like that. Allowed 20 completions on 35 targets, 57.1 completion percentage, 272 yards. Uh, one touchdown and a 91.6 passer rating. So not too bad for Keon Crossan. Obviously, this makes the cornerback battle even more interesting. I think he's possibly a lock to make this roster now that they gave up a draft pick for him and stuff like that. The same could be said about Josh Jackson, but obviously it was corner for corner. No draft picks have been exchanged as of yet. But Keon Crossan bringing the experience from last year and now this year or I should say in past years with the special teams, I think he's a possible lock to make this roster, uh, possibly decreasing the chances for guys like Madre Harper, Jaron Williams, and some other guys like that. Now we get into the bigger transaction. The Giants traded Isaac Yadam to Green Bay for Josh Jackson. Obviously, everybody remembers that Isaac Yadam was traded to the New York Giants for, I believe it was a seventh-round draft pick in the 2021 draft. Um, with that being said, Yadam... 
allowed a completion percentage of 61.7 this year, was the Giants' number two cornerback for most of this season. Allowed 37 completions on 60 targets, six touchdowns, 121.1 passer rating, and 480 yards total, if I didn't already say that. So, I will admit that I hated on or I disliked Isaac Yadam more than he deserved. He was the worst player or was a bad player on a good defense. But now that we have Adoree Jackson and now that we have Keon Cross and his chances were slowly going down. And I guess now they could take a chance on someone who was a draft bust of the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about him in just a second. But in prior years, Yadam was, I believe, a third-round pick of the Denver Broncos out of Boston College. He played 13 games with them. His rookie year started one and even had an interception. 2019, he played all 16 games and started eight games. And in 2020, obviously, he was traded in the New York Giants. You look at Josh Jackson. I did not know much about this guy. I knew a little of him. But a lot of Packer fans are happy. A lot of Packer fans saying they won the trade and stuff like that. We won't know for a little bit. But I'll obviously give my thoughts after I give the stats and stuff like that. Now, last year in Green Bay, Josh Jackson started a total of five games, appeared in 12. He had 23 receptions, 31 targets, 285 yards, and one touchdown with a passer rating of 113. Not great. You look at 2019, started no games, 14 games he appeared in. Allowed six completions on seven targets, 85.7 completion percentage, 63 yards, and a 143.7 passer rating with one touchdown allowed. Um, not great, obviously. That was, I guess, in limited time. Then 2018, his rookie year out of Iowa State. Started 10 games, played in 16, 40 completions allowed on 64 targets, 62.5 completion percentage allowed, three touchdowns, 557 yards, and a 106.1 passer rating. So obviously right now it looks as if the New York Giants have lost the trade. But I'm taking the silver lining road on this one. Why will I take the silver lining road? It's a depth move. Obviously. It's a cornerback for a cornerback. Uh, you take a look. Obviously, as of right now, barring any injuries, hopefully not, the starting cornerbacks are... James Bradbury, Dory Jackson, and Donnie Holmes. The rest of the cornerbacks, probably going to be two or three cornerbacks held, are going to be depth guys. They're not going to start much. Radarius Williams could definitely be a part of that cornerback crew, maybe getting a little playing time. Keon Crossan, maybe. Maybe it's Josh Jackson, which is likely at this point now that they traded for him and gave up something, but also, once again, he could get cut. and Maybe Green Bay uses Isaac Yadam. It could turn out in 750,000 ways. Now, Josh Jackson obviously was a draft bust. And this is solely a depth move, as I said. But there is a point to make. And obviously, he ain't no proven guy yet. He has been below average most of his career in Green Bay. But someone brought up to me, you see how Casey Hayward and Micah Hyde broke out as soon as they left Green Bay? Now, obviously, it wasn't the same defensive coordinator. They had uh, Dom Capers, I think, when McCarthy was the head coach. And then now they have Mike Pettin, the former Browns head coach, as the defensive coordinator. So obviously, you could so obviously you could twist and turn that multiple ways. But for right now, I think this is an even thing for the Giants, even thing for the Packers. I'm not going to make any verdicts. But 
They're taking a flyer on a guy who was draft bust. Possibly Patrick Graham could put him in the system, rotate him, use him to his strengths, and then go from there. Maybe he turns out to be a decent pick, kind of a Corey Clement kind of guy, you know, when he was with the Giants just for a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, real quickly, before we get to the Browns preview, I have obviously some comments to make about the offensive line. The offensive line depth isn't so good for the Giants. It's not. Uh, obviously, you have Shay Lemieux, who's injured, probably should be ready for week one, but we don't know that as a fact right now. We're making predictions and all these sorts of other things as of right now. Then, you have Kenny Wiggins starting at left guard, and tackles, I think we're fine in terms of depth. I think we're fine in terms of tackle depth. You have Nate Solder, who's the backup, the sole backup, maybe can play some guard, maybe. I'm not stretching anything. So, likely you have Parrott and Thomas. Then behind him, you have Nate Solder, which is, once again, something I don't have a problem with. Center, right now it looks like Jonathan Harrison's going to be that guy. That's filled out. So that's probably about, if Lemieux is ready week one, about seven linemen right now. Now, in my opinion, they'll probably keep eight to ten linemen. So you need to figure out who is going to be at that backup guard spot. And I'm going to tell you right now, Chad Slay don't look good for it. Kenny Wiggins don't look good for it. Jake Burton don't look good for it. Brahegi don't look good for it. That's the unfortunate part. And that is really a kick in the ass coming after the Zach Fulton retirement. Coming after the Joe Looney retirement. Because ideally, you would have been looking at this a thousand different ways that are better than what we have right now. Because let's just say those two players didn't retire. Joe Looney, he would have been probably the backup center. Zach Fulton probably would have been the backup guard. And he would probably have been starting at left guard against the Jets. If he didn't retire. So that probably would have been your roster. Maybe you keep Harrison on as an extra center, a guard, something like that. Fulton can also play center as well, or could have played center. Then you have Nate Solder as the backup tackle. Now we're put into this, I'm going to be blunt here, shithole. We're putting in this shithole. Um, so here are a couple of guys that could possibly fill in as guard depth for the New York Giants. Some of them can play tackle, only one of them realistically. So you have Joe Dahl, the former fifth-round pick of the Detroit Lions. Started a total of 21 games in his career, 44 games appeared in, and he's 28 years old, was picked in 2016, uh, spent pretty much his whole career with the Lions. They cut him after a failed injury designation uh, in March, and he has not been picked up since. He's been worked out, but nobody has taken a flyer on this guy. I think he would be a decent option. Move to the next guy, Nick Easton, 29 years old, has made 32 starts in his career, total of 45 games played in. Had spent a little time in 2015 with the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Spent an extensive amount of his career with the Minnesota Vikings from 2015 to 2018. Was primarily the left guard or right guard there. Then in New Orleans, started some games, I think, with one of their guards out. They had guard trouble a little bit. I think Andrews Pete was out a couple of games. Their right guard was out a couple of games. Cesar Ruiz or whoever. I know he did start a couple of games for them. Uh, from 2019 to 2020. The next guy seems very familiar. I don't think the Giants are going to take a flyer on this guy because of his ties to the organization and also for the fact that Dave Gettleman did not pick up or did not sign this guy to an extension years before. DJ Fluker, 
This guy can play tackle and guard better at guard, though. Uh, played decently for the New York Giants in 2017. Would have been a better solution than Patrick Omame. Obviously, we see how that turned out. Fluker spent the first three to four years of his career with the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. Then he got signed by the Giants in 2017. After that, went to the Seattle Seahawks from 2018 to 2019. 2020, he spent with the Baltimore Ravens and spent some time with the Miami Dolphins in camp this year, but obviously was released after the fact. He was a first-round pick out of Alabama, so obviously the Nick Saban connection, the Joe Judge connection, uh, I don't know if he was there when Joe Judge was there. It's a possibility. So he was drafted in, what, 2013? So it is a sheer possibility that Fluker and Judge may have crossed paths. Um, he started a total of 96 games in his career so far. He's 30 years old, and he's appeared in 108 games. The last guy has been the hot topic of O-line depth for the New York Giants. Austin Ryder began his career with the Washington football team uh, 2015 and 2016. 2016 and 2017 with the Cleveland Browns. Kansas City from 2018 to 2020, they replaced him at center. I forget who they got, but they did not pick up anything on Ryder. I guess they thought better of that. And now he's a free agent. He's been worked out by multiple teams. I think the Bengals worked him out. The Giants should have worked him out. I don't know what happened there. But he was a Super Bowl champion two years ago. Total of 33 starts in his career and 59 games. So these are all valuable options. I'm not taking a flyer on David DeCastro because he's coming off that leg injury. We, we God knows if he still has it. Um, so I'm not taking a flyer on that. That would not be a great thing, even if it's a one-year veteran minimum deal. Um, and also, this is a guy who probably is expecting a little more than just $1 million a year, being the fact that he's been a pro bowler in many years past. Um, as of right now, the only veteran on our offensive line is Ted Larson, who hasn't played in a real game in two years. I remember, I think, uh, if I'm standing correctly on this subject, he has played multiple teams in his career. He's 34, and he just looks 34. He looks like the oldest guy on the team. Ted Larson has spent time with the New England Patriots, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2010 to 2013, Cardinals 2014 to 2015, 2016 with the Bears, 2017, 2018 with the Miami Dolphins during the Gase era. I think he started at guard or center for most of his time there, the Bears in 2019. Uh, the Bucks back in 2020, he didn't really play any games with them, got elevated from the practice squad multiple times, was a Super Bowl champion, and obviously now with the New York Giants. So... Would I really rely on Ted Larson to be the backup guard? If he plays well, sure. But if he doesn't play well, you're shit out of luck. So, I gave you guys a list of guys that we could possibly take flyers on as backup guards, backup offensive linemen at the interior position. Nick Easton, I believe, other than Austin Ryder, is the only guy that can play center. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I would definitely take a chance on one of these guys rather than stay with what we have in Jake Burton, Brett Hedgie, Kenny Wiggins, and all these other guys. So now let's move to the Browns preview. All right, so now for our Giants-Cleveland Browns preview. They play on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Now I'd like to welcome on Rod Bloom, if I'm saying that correctly, of the Browns Blitz podcast. Rod, thank you for coming on the show, and tell the viewers where they could find you at and basically give a description. Uh, thanks for having me on, Alex. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Clee Rod B, and my podcast is 
the Browns Blitz. You can find that at the Browns Blitz. Nice, nice. So to get things started, obviously, you know, we had a joint practice today, both teams. Some real quick takeaways uh, that I got my cheat sheet here on my laptop. Um, I know Jarvis Landry was a big factor in today's practice. He had that one-handed catch. I know both offenses were doing well. Um, the quarterbacks seemed to be doing well, so there wasn't really much defensive playing for two defensive teams. But it seemed like you know there was no really fights involved, even though there was you know some trash talking and stuff like that. And Kevin Stefanski and Joe Judge basically went over with the players that uh, basically listen. There's not going to be any fighting or whatnot. Uh, Jabril Peppers had some good trash talk with his former team. Obviously, you know, Giants fans are so much connected to OBJ, even though you won't see him play. Uh, they were supposed to see him play, obviously, last year. Didn't happen with the injury. Uh, what are your thoughts? Have you seen anything on today's joint practices? Obviously, there's another one happening again before the game. I got to, I got to watch part of it today. Uh, got to watch some of it, uh, you know, stream today. And, uh, I mean, the, the part I saw, the Browns' defense actually looked pretty decent. You know, I saw the part where where there was a pick and a couple of passes defensed and that. So, uh, but, you know, I, I only saw a small portion of it. So, you know, it, it looked good and clean, like the teams were, you know, respecting each other and everything, which is good. So, it, kind of working on things and that. So, you know, I guess it's it's what both coaches want to get out of something like this. So, yeah, I don't know if there's any big secrets um, that they're going to display in a practice like this, but, uh, but good practice, um, good, clean fun out there. Um, you know, guys helping each other up and things like that. So look good to me. Now you guys drafted, obviously the point or one of the many points of the preseason is to help develop the draft picks. Obviously didn't have that last year. You guys drafted a lot of players. You drafted James Hudson. I'm not going any specific order. James Hudson, the tackle at Cincinnati, Anthony Schwartz, Demetrik Felton, obviously your second round pick, JOK. I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so I knew a little bit about JOK before the draft. Richard LeQuente, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. If I'm not, I'm a mistake. It's, um, it's LeCount. Yeah, LeCount. Yeah. Uh, now I know how to say that. Richard there you LeCount, go. Greg Newsom, and uh, Tony Fields. So how have your draft picks played through camp mostly within this period of time and how did they do last week against Jacksonville how did the team fare as a whole throughout camp who's been uh you know who's been great who's been not so great uh give us a little description of on, on who's been good in terms of draft picks just overall players as well well JOK played the entire game you know last last week the the, the first preseason game against against the Jaguars so uh and you know he he was out of practice for a while with, with uh, you know due to COVID, so I think it was kind of a conditioning thing um, why they had him play the entire game. And he looked good. I mean he had he had a a sack. You know he he was making tackles sideline to sideline, uh, breaking out passes deep, and um, just very impactful. Uh, I I think it's about all we could have expected from him in his first action at the NFL level. So um, everybody's very excited about JOK. I think, uh, you know, um, can't wait to see him play in, in a regular game. Uh, Greg Newsom, he played, uh, and he's been, he's been doing great in practice. Uh, in, the, in the preseason game, he played a bit. 
but not not a ton. So uh, just kind of got got a glimpse of them. You know, he, he looked fine, but um, you know, not a whole lot there. Uh, you mentioned James Hudson. Uh, he started out um, trying to think. I, I think he started out at right tackle in the preseason game, and then he switched to left tackle, which kind of tells you that the Browns are probably grooming him to be their their swing man. Um, he did he did fine. You know, I think he had uh, I think he had one penalty, a false start, or a holding call, but you know, he he played quite a bit in that preseason game. So um, he's had a lot of times with or a lot of time with Bill Callahan on his own, the Browns offensive line coach. So um, I think we're pretty optimistic about James Hudson and where he's going to be at some point. Um, as far as uh, trying to think of who else you, all the other draft picks, um, let's go to uh, um, the wide receiver, Anthony Schwartz. He's kind of been, uh, he really hasn't, well, he didn't play because of a hamstring kind of issue. He's been, they're kind of nursing him. The Browns have had quite a few hamstring issues, and we really don't know how serious some of them are or if they're just being super cautious with these guys. So he, he hasn't played yet. Uh, he, he's looked really good in some practices. The guy's super fast. So we'll find out sooner or later. But I think he's he's going to be an impact guy. It's a matter how much playing time he gets because of how deep the Browns are at wide receiver. Uh, Demetric Felton played. Uh, he played exclusively wide receiver in the first preseason game. And this, against the Giants, apparently he's going to be playing almost exclusively running back. He's been working out with the running backs all week. And um, we'll see. We'll Because we don't really know what he is yet. He played both positions in college. We don't know if he's trying to be the third running back or the fourth or fifth, or not the fourth or fifth, maybe the sixth wide receiver. Um, you know, or a gadget guy or what he is. So um, kind of determining what he is and where he falls is going to help some of us understand the construction of the 53-man roster once we see what he can do. Um, Richard LeCount looked excellent in the first preseason game for a guy who hasn't played much football in two years. And, um, uh, you know, he, he didn't look perfect. But, I mean, he just looked, he looked like a, a steal for how late the Browns took him. I think he was a, I think he was a six-round pick this year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he's like the Browns, I think he's number five on the depth chart at safety right now. So, um, and who am I missing? I think I'm missing somebody. Because I didn't go in any kind of order. Tony Fields, I really haven't seen much of, so I'm not sure. Um, I think Tony Fields, uh, I think people like him and what he brings, but um, the linebacker room is pretty competitive. So I think he's got a chance. It, I think he'll probably be a special teams guy and, um, more than likely. I haven't heard a whole heck of a lot about him, so I'm not sure what's going on. But um, I would be surprised if he doesn't make the team based on what I've heard. But I think he'll be a special teams guy this year. And one more quick question. I don't know if he's gotten some playing time. He was a fourth-round pick. Tommy, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, Togai, something like that. Oh, Tommy Togai. 
Yeah, he played. Uh, he played a little bit, um, or, or I don't want to say a little bit. I think he played. He played in the fourth quarter of the first preseason game, maybe some in the third. So, uh, the Browns have a whole bunch of DTs that they're kind of trying to figure out, and they just they just let um, they just let one guy go today. So they're kind of. Um, whittling that room down a little bit, but they got a they got a bunch of guys. They got like six or eight guys, you know, vying for for you know like four spots um, that are left open there probably. So um, I don't know that we saw enough out of any of them in that first preseason game to say, hey, this guy's good enough to make the team and this guy's not. Because when you when you've got when you've got rookies out there in the fourth quarter playing against. Uh, you know, against the Jaguars third team and you don't have a lot of stats to back it up, it, it's really hard. Unless you really watch a ton of film on it, it's really hard to figure out what's going on. So I think, um, you know, I think the defensive line and Tommy Togiai and, and a bunch of other guys, that's going to come down to what happens over all three preseason games. Now, obviously the Browns made certain headlines this offseason signing a couple of Nice players, in my opinion. They signed, uh, they signed John Johnson from the Rams, I believe it was. Troy Hill and a couple other guys. How do you guys? Uh, actually, let me transition to a different question. You guys already have what seems like to be one of the better or most underrated defensive lines in the NFL. Miles Garrett and all those other guys. You guys, as in the Cleveland Browns, took flyers on two separate draft picks from a couple of years ago that really haven't panned out. It's Carson McKinley and Jadavian Clowney. Uh, Clowney obviously is the more popular one because a lot of teams, you know, it seems like every offseason, where is Javin Clowney going to sign? How much is he going to sign for? Uh, obviously, it was teeter-tottering, Browns or nobody, and then he finally signed with the Browns. How has he looked? How has Tag McKinley looked? And do they have a role with the Cleveland Browns, or is it just going to be a rotational thing? How, you know, are they doing it with, I think, the defensive coordinator is Joe Woods. How are they planning to do yeah. it? What's the take on them? What's the story on them? How do Browns feel? fans feel on those two guys getting flyers from the Cleveland Browns. Jadavian Clowney has looked amazing. He, of course, he didn't play in the first preseason game. The Browns held out almost all their starters on offense and defense. But in practice, there have been, uh, there have been times when, when the, uh, when people watching practice have said, if, if the defense was allowed to touch the quarterback, in practice that uh, somebody said one day that Jadavian Clowney would have had 20 sacks one practice. So he, he's, be, he's beating guys on the Browns offensive line, which granted they're, they're trying new stuff. So, you know, maybe they're not giving it their, their best shot every single time because they're working on technique and everything. But uh, he's been pretty amazing. So the, the hope is he can stay healthy. Uh, he seems healthy now. And we're just hoping that that he and miles can play a whole bunch of games together and i i think i think it's gonna be a really good thing for the browns if they can because uh so far Jadavian Clowney's looked really really good um obviously there was an instance of this last season against the giants how is the kicking battle look? Because I know you still, you guys still have Cody Park and you also have Chase McLaughlin, who's been about everywhere uh, since the start of his career in like 2018, 2019. I know he spent a little time with the Chargers and the 49ers and a couple other teams. How have both of them looked? And uh, if you could take a kicker, which one would you take? Because obviously Cody Parkey, I don't know how he did last season, but obviously it was his bigger year since being with the Bears a couple of years ago. Yeah, 
Well, I think we're hoping that a lot of games won't come down to the kicker. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Cody Parkey kicked, I think it was a field goal. He bounced one off the bar in the first preseason game. That's like, I don't know, does he does he, pra he practice this or what? I don't know how you hit the bar so consistently. Uh, he's been around, you know, he knows, at least he's familiar with kicking in Cleveland and stuff. So, I would think he probably has the edge, but I think it's going to come down to probably how they both kick over the three preseason games and, and just who the coaching staff likes better. Um, kicking is such a crapshoot. I'm amazed at how many kickers just bounce from team to team to team, and most teams just are not happy with their kicker because that's, I don't know, it seems like kicking's gotten harder over the years. And I know they moved the, the extra point back, but I guess the expectations have gone up too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but one of the storylines, obviously, across the NFL is multiple players rehabbing torn ACLs, Achilles, stuff like that. Obviously, with our team, we have Saquon Barkley. Your team has OBJ. Obviously, that's a big story, but I do want to hear what's been going on, if you've heard anything about Grant Delpit's second-round draft pick from last year. Has anything been going on with him? How is he doing in his rehab? Same thing with OBJ. Grant Delpit passed his physical for the Achilles. So he was, he was practicing and then he had a, a hamstring issue and he was out for a couple weeks with a hamstring issue as, as camp was starting. And then um, I want to say Tuesday, he came out to practice. So the Browns actually had, um, they, they actually had uh, John Johnson, Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison on the field together for a brief period of time because Ronnie Harrison had been out with, with a, with a uh, hamstring as well. And all of a sudden these guys were all out there together. And, and then they came over uh, Twitter pretty quickly that Grant Delpit had left the field <laughs> with his uh, hamstring bothering him. So um, hopefully it's something minor. I mean, it, it sounded like he's, you know, aggravated it and it's going to be a couple of weeks. So they're, they're talking that he may be doubtful for the first week of the season. But the good news is it sounds like the Achilles is is healed and he's doing good there. So they just need to get the hamstring right because you know how these things are. They can last all season if they're, you know, if they don't heal properly. So um, hopefully, hopefully uh, they can get that right. And the Browns have enough depth. They don't need to rush Grant Delpit out there. Now, as far as... Um, you're talking about OBJ. Man, OBJ looks really good, but um, but he's up to this point he's avoided contact. So you know, so they're they're babying him along. He's making his cuts. I mean, he's if you've seen anything on Twitter, the guy's been flying around super super fast for a couple months already. Okay, his recovery has been phenomenal I, I guess the guy is just kind of superhuman and his ability to recover from something like this this fast but uh, but the Browns are being careful so they're not going to expose him to much I, I don't know if he'll play in the third preseason game at all uh, or not but they've held him out of everything so far as far as any, any contact now I was actually going to jump to another question but I obviously came up with one in my head uh this guy was a former fourth-round draft pick from the Giants. 
uh, about a couple of years ago, and he seemed to do by the stats. I mean, I could be taking stuff the wrong way. I didn't watch the game, but it seemed to me that Kyle Loletta had a pretty good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it was like 270-something yards or something in that region, but yeah. it's going to be interesting. I want to get the view on him from you and maybe other Browns fans, stuff like that. And the same thing on Donovan Peoples-Jones, because I know last year he had a pretty good season for, I think he was a six-round pick. But it's going to yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see, just in my personal opinion, possible many others, with last year's 16-man practice squad, obviously it's not returning, but a lot of teams are probably going to keep only two quarterbacks and maybe one on the practice squad this year. We'll see what happens. But what is the view on Loletta and what is the view on Peoples-Jones from last season being that you could probably, as of right now, consider him as a steal, possibly? Talking about uh, Kyle Loletta first, uh, I thought he looked really good. Now, it's one preseason game against you know, probably the worst team in the league. So, you, but just looking at the way he threw the ball and the way he played and the way he commanded the offense, he, he looked really good. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does over the course of the next two preseason games. So the, the conversation amongst fans is kind of, would you be comfortable keeping Kyle Lalata as the, as the number two quarterback and, and trading, dropping Case Keenum, you know, for salary purposes to pick up some, you know, some cap space and people look at it both ways because I mean, the Browns are, are hopefully trying to make a run this season, you know? So do you, do you want the guy with all that experience or are you going to try to save the money? And is, is Kyle a lot of good enough if something happens to Baker where he misses several weeks for some reason? So that's, that's very interesting to me. Now, and got you're, um, I'm trying to think of what your other point was. You, t- you mentioned Kyle Oletta and somebody else. Uh, it was Kyle Oletta and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, uh, yeah, D- DPJ has been pretty much the star of training camp, making just tremendous catch after tremendous catch, and it carried over into that first preseason game. So he he caught, I think he caught four balls early, or may- maybe it was three balls early, and then they pulled him out, um, had some great catches. I really think that DPJ is going to be the the number three receiver on the team this season. And, and you just go back and look at him being a six-round pick last season, and the question was, was he going to make the team last year and all this stuff? And he, he you know, um, he was ready when, when he got called on last year. He did decent. Um, you know, he didn't have huge numbers, but he really didn't get that many opportunities. And now he, he comes out and he really looks good. So the Browns wide receiver room is crowded. It's really crowded. So, but he, he's, he stood out and I think he's going to be the, the first guy behind OBJ and, and uh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, moving on to uh, a bit of a different subject before we get into the depth chart and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, things can change with the depth chart, but my best friend is a Steelers fan. So obviously he has some th- some feelings about the Browns ever since the Garrett incident and just being in the same division. But how do Browns fans feel about this season, especially after last season? And with the up-and-coming of the Ravens, especially for the last couple of years, uh, the possible fall of Steelers, maybe the up and coming of the Bengals. Personally, my prediction, 
Um, I might refine it a little bit before the season starts. I have the Browns finishing second and making the playoffs within the division. Ravens first, Steelers third, Bengals fourth. How do you guys feel? How would you give uh, the Browns in terms of prediction? Win-loss record, you don't have to do that if you want to, whatever. But how do you guys see yourselves in terms of the division? And if it gets that point, are you guys making a wild card spot? I, I really haven't predicted a record yet for the Browns. I, I think they'll, I think they'll probably win 13, 14 games this season, though. Uh, just with the improvements on the defense and the way Baker was playing the last, the last eight or you know maybe even close to ten games of last season, and now he's got a few new pieces on offense. Uh, the defense is completely revamped. I think the defense is really going to make a difference for him. And the thing is, the Browns actually have some consistency. This is this is going to be the first time in a while where they've they've had the same coach and, and a good coach for the second season in a row, same system, not switching out and getting a new offensive coordinator. I mean, Baker hasn't done this before. He hasn't gone into it uh, a second season with the, with the uh, same system. So I think it's going to make a big difference. Um, I mean, I think the Browns respect the division. You know, a, I think the Steelers are probably on the way down. Just, they had an aging roster last year. Uh, they've lost some players. But, you know, until they miss the playoffs, I think you have to respect the Steelers. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a model organization. So, um, you know, you, you can't just say either, you know, they're no good. Um, you you got to go and beat them. You got to keep beating them consistently and, you know, to, to prove that you're a better team and better franchise at this point. Um, the Ravens, we'll see. I mean, they're, you know, they're a good team. Um, Browns have had some great games with them over the last couple of seasons very entertaining games so we'll see I, I think the Browns uh, I think the Browns kind of built this defense to stop the Ravens um, in many ways they've added a lot of speed I think they've had Lamar in mind for a lot of this and if they're successful in in, in you know being able to, to beat the Ravens with this new defense then then um, you know that that's going to be the division, and if they aren't, then then the Ravens are probably still going to be at the top of the division. Now, obviously, every team somewhat has a weakness in terms of position or something like that. Like for the Giants, for example, many Giants fans, including myself, feel the possible weaknesses coming into the season are offensive line. If the outside linebackers in a three-four system are are you know there are the there are the pass rushers, uh, they're possible a weak they're possibly a weakness. And a couple other positions on the roster. Do, in your opinion, do the Browns have any, whether it be small or big, weaknesses on the roster? Well, I, I think Andrew Barry's always looking to upgrade things, but uh, you know he's never afraid to go out and sign somebody to to make you know the team stronger. But um, overall, I think if the Browns have a weakness, um, uh, you know it could be, it, you know. They might be looking for, um, I would probably say, even though they have a lot of depth at linebacker, they have some inexperience there. So, um, but I think they've got speed and, you know, and, and we'll see, we'll, we'll see um, with Anthony Walker. Um, 
you know, assuming he's ready to go week one and everything, I think he's going to be, um, you know, that makes the Browns a lot more solid. And the, the only other thing is probably the depth at defensive end is kind of in question because Tech McKinley is kind of on a personal leave of absence right now from the Browns. So we're not really sure what's going on there. Uh, if he can come back and be that number three um, defensive end, that really helps the Browns a lot because beyond him, they've, they've got some guys in camp, um, you know, that can play a little bit, but not at the level of Miles and, and uh, Clowney. So in terms of the depth chart, obviously it changes now from week to week because of cuts. Now there's the new rule that after every preseason game, you have to cut down to five, cut down uh, five players. So, like this week it was 85, next week it will be 80, and then after that obviously is the big 53-man uh, roster kind of reshape. So in terms of the depth chart, and this is just going to be my personal take down the line, uh, for the Giants in terms of quarterbacks, for the Browns in terms of quarterbacks, I definitely would give the Browns the definite win in terms of battling quarterbacks because the Giants do have – uh, I mean, Daniel Jones, obviously, I think Baker Mayfield's better. I mean, that's just me being honest and unbiased. You take a look at the Giants' backup, Mike Lennon. He wasn't really good last week. And then you guys have Case Keenum, who's, you know, had more experience uh, in terms of starting games, though Glennon has He's played okay. Longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it really comes down to the backups, Brian Lewerke, who's only spent, you know, so much time in the NFL as, you know, well as the uh, – the spring league football, but once again, those are, it's not really NFL type atmosphere. And then you guys got Kyle Lalletta, who's had a lot of experience in the preseason. So I would definitely give the giant, uh, the Browns a W in terms of battling quarterbacks. And I think it would be a good battle. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms yeah, of running backs, I would definitely have to, and I don't know what the situation is because it is so difficult to determine you know, who's going to play, who's not going to play. In terms of, like, preseason games and all these, you know, star players not playing, like OBJ and Jarvis Landry, um, has Kevin Stefanski, real quickly before I preview this, because I don't want to get anything wrong, has Kevin Stefanski come out and said whether Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt will play in the preseason games? Um, he's kind of taking it week by week, and I don't know that I've heard officially, but I don't think, I don't think any of the starters will play this week either. My guess is that these guys will play a little bit week three, and that's probably going to be it. I, I think his plan is is because of the longer season, he wants to keep these guys fresh and healthy and, and you know, have them ready for the long haul, 17 games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've heard a lot of people criticizing Joe Judge's philosophy is like, oh, well, we're going to play the starters mostly week three, like the old week three of the preseason where you play most of your starters for about a quarter, two quarters, stuff like that. Um, I guess similar philosophies are being grown throughout the NFL in terms of, you know, starters week three. And obviously it is a good strategy. You don't want to hurt those starter players when you have, you know, an extra game added to the season. But obviously – you have the good duo in the running back room with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Behind him, likely playing is Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, John Kelly, and Corey Taylor, if I'm not mistaken. You look at the Giants running back yeah. chart. They have Devontae Booker, Corey Clement, uh, Sandro Platzcomer, and six-round pick Gary Brightwell. So in terms of that, uh, in terms of that on the 
depth chart, I'd probably have to give it just a little bit to the New York Giants. I feel that the running backs are a little more experienced. I thought Booker did okay last week. Corey Clement, other than the fumble, did okay last week. Platzgummer, the international guy, had a nice run. And I want to see what's out of uh, Gary Brightwell, the sixth-round pick from Arizona. But I definitely do think Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson put some competition there. And obviously you have John Kelly, who is the veteran running back, former Ram, I believe. He's, uh, he's bounced around a bit, Bengals and Rams and, yeah, Browns. and Yeah, we'll see. He played a bit last week. So um, I, I think you're going to see more of more of uh, Felton and um, Dearness Johnson probably this week be my guess. So before we jump into wide receivers, tight ends, obviously it's not, oh, tight ends, linebackers are going to do it, tight ends and tight ends. Evan Ingram, I don't know if he's going to play. That's going to be, honestly, one of my questions coming into the week. You know, how many starters play, how many starters don't play. But uh, as of right now, I guess I'll have him play for a little bit. Caden uh, Smith as well for the New York Giants. Then, obviously, you break into the latter part of the tight end depth chart. You have Nakia Griffin-Stewart, Cole Hickettini, uh, Rice and John, and Jake Hosman, while the Cleveland Browns have Austin Hooper, David Njoku, who showed out a lot in practice today. Uh, Harrison Bryant, Jordan Franks, and Connor Davis. Um, is it likely, and honestly, I hate to keep asking, but have Austin Hooper or are Austin Hooper and David Njoku going to be, are they going to be playing in the preseason games? Since they didn't play in the first week, I'd kind of be surprised if they play much this week, but but you never know. He might work some of these guys in. So, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of it was a lot of Connor Davis and and Jordan Franks in the first preseason game. Um, Harrison Bryant was out there, but I don't think he played. You know, anywhere near the whole game. You know, so he's and, and I mean he's pretty much a starter too with the other two guys. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see if if Njoku's out there. I kind of be surprised if if. Uh, if Austin Hooper plays at all. So in terms of if this was a regular season game, I'd give it to the Cleveland Browns because Evan Ingram had an awful season last year. But in terms of this is a preseason game, Njoku and Hooper are likely not playing. If they are, it's not going to be a lot. I'd probably give it to the Giants on that aspect. You move into the wide receiver room, which you could also match up with the corners. Um, in terms of wide receiver room, OBJ and Jarvis Landry probably not playing. Rashard Higgins, if he's playing, very little. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Kadero Hodge probably getting the most. Uh, Anthony Schwartz, is he supposed to return this week? Um, I, th I, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's been practicing again, but I'm not sure where he stands with a hamstring. So I don't want to tell you for sure and be wrong on that. <laughs> so obviously that is a big question mark for the Browns coming into this week. Other than that, they have yeah. Marcus Bradley, Jojo Knotson, Alexander Hollins, and Davian Davis. Now for the Giants wide receivers, it's likely not that Sterling Shepard is going to play. But the Giants fans should expect to see Darius Slayton. If John Ross is healthy, he'll play David Sills, C.J. Board, Austin Mack, Damian Willis, then Dante Pettis, Alex Backman, and Matt Cole. Uh, in terms of wide receiver room, honestly, it's tough on tough, but I'm going to have to give it just a pinch to the Cleveland Browns. I think, honestly, Figgins plays, if he does, I'm just saying, 
And then you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a steal of a six-round pick last year over Slayton, who was a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago. Um, has, you know, had a down year last year. Obviously, I think had some targets last week. But there's a lot of inexperience yeah. and a lot of veteran journeyman-like players at the back end of the Giants' step chart that aren't necessarily proven, guys like Dante Pettis and John Ross. But um, I would definitely slightly, I guess, in my opinion, give it to the Cleveland Browns, but I could Brown. give it both ways as well. The guy the guy that you want to watch is, is uh, Davion Davis. He's been with the Browns only a couple of weeks, but he had six catches, including just a phenomenal touchdown catch against the Jags and, and a couple other really nice grabs. And it's he's the kind of guy, it's like, where did he come from? And... Um, he's the kind of guy if he if he plays really well, he's going to make the Browns make a really tough decision. So it would be really interesting to see what he does against the Giants. Definitely looking forward to that. Obviously, I need a list of players myself to look for <laughs> against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday because I'm not going to lie, I don't know a lot of other players and how they play other than Kyle Lalletta, who played excellent for the. Browns, once again, that was against second, third stringers and stuff like that. But corner matchups, obviously, you know, once again, the playbooks are very vanilla. But for the Giants, in terms of the cornerback room, they have James Bradbury and Dory Jackson probably playing just a little bit. Uh, Darnay Holmes behind him. Julian Love can play corner as well. Radarius Williams, Jaron Williams. Quincy Wilson can play corner as well. If Sam Beal's healthy this week, Madre Harper. And that pretty much finishes the cornerback room. But in terms of the Browns cornerback room, Greedy Williams, who is actually younger than Radarius Williams. Radarius Williams is 25. He is the older brother of Greedy, which honestly is something I didn't know until they drafted Greedy Williams. Actually drafted Radarius Williams, excuse me. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I guess you'll learn something no every day. Yeah. But um, other than that, they have Denzel Ward. Greedy Williams has mentioned, Troy Hill, the free agent from Los Angeles, Greg Newsome, A.J. Green, Brian Allen, Robert Jackson, M.J. Stewart, Emmanuel Rugamba, and that pretty much, I guess, clears it for the cornerback room. Um, yeah. In terms of starters, I once again, I'm not sure who's going to play in terms of the Browns at corner. I would maybe guess they play just a tiny bit. Um, what would you say in terms of the corner spot? Well, I don't think you'll see Denzel Ward. I, I think you'll probably see Newsom and and uh, Greedy playing a, a bit again because those two are kind of in competition to see who's going to be cornerback two. Um, we'll see. I, I think they're both going to play a lot this season, anyways. So you know how it is. You you need a lot of cornerbacks throughout the season, but um, it, it's going to be hard to tell. I mean, the Browns the Browns have. Denzel Ward, um, those two guys, and, and Troy Hill, the Browns are going to be pretty deep. But in this preseason game, probably flip a coin. It's hard to say. Yeah, definitely. If it was, actually, I'm going to have to take my team on this one. I think the Giants are very just slightly better at cornerback. I think James Bradbury, coming off of last year, um, is one of the more underrated corners in the NFL. If it's not underrated, he's one of the top. Adoree Jackson Personally, a lot of Giant fans are saying, oh, well, you know, he was, uh, you know, he's, he was underused in Tennessee, this, that, and the other thing. I need to see out of him. He's probably one of my top players to look for in this game because. A lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he was known as a draft bust in Tennessee. 
So I want to see what he does here now with Patrick Graham, who is known to really use corners to the strengths, whether they're good or not. He did that with Isaac Yadam last year, who just got traded to Green Bay. So I think the Giants are deep at corner. You could say the same for the Cleveland Browns, but I would slightly take uh, the New York Giants on this one. But if Denzel Ward was playing, if Greedy Williams, you know, played a little more probably, we'll see what happens. I would consider the Cleveland Browns uh, to be the winner of the corner matchup because I think they're deep, but also with the Giants as well, other than Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury, two good corners. Um, let's see, once again, we'll see what happens. But behind that, there's some inexperience you have to kind of admit if you're a Giants fan. Aaron Robinson, who's on the PP list. Keon Carson, who they just traded for. Josh Jackson, who they just traded for as well from the Green Bay Packers. So right now, I would take the Giants in terms of who's playing on Sunday. But obviously, take the Browns into consideration if this was a regular season game. Right. I would agree with you. In terms of the offensive line, obviously, I think the Giants would definitely, if you're doing O-line versus O-line, I think the Giants would definitely lose. Uh, I would have to admire the building the Cleveland Browns have done the past year and the work that Bill Callahan has done for the Cleveland Browns O-line. I mean, it's just a great O-line all around, probably one of the better O-lines. Um, so in terms of O-line versus O-line, we definitely give them the first and the second team because it looks like the second team is a pretty good team. Chris Hubbard, the former tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played with the Browns a couple of years before. Uh, I think ranging back to 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Nick Harris, uh, the former Washington draft pick, played a little for you guys last year. Same thing with Michael Dunn. So I definitely think you guys have a lot of depth at the online position. Where with the Giants, it's not necessarily the same story because uh, the news obviously loves to loves to put this on but two o-linemen retired this past offseason for the giants joe looney and zach fulton so if those two didn't retire i would take into consideration but right now we are looking for an answer at the backup guard position we don't know if shane lemieux is going to play this week so definitely i would give them the o-line spot but in terms of uh o-line versus d-line i'd give the d-line to you guys in that matchup d-line wins against the o-line because the giants are growing. They're trying to gel that O-line. Obviously, the defense uh, for the Browns, especially the defensive line with Miles Garrett and some of the other guys on there is very good. Um, in terms of the O-line, let's be honest. I'm going to be honest with myself here. The Giants only got to Baker once last year in that game. And their defensive line was fully healthy. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was the one who got to him. Yeah. Other than that, there was like maybe three, four other pressures. And they lost Alvin Tomlinson, who could also rush the passer. Unfortunately, you know, they lost him to the Minnesota Vikings. Other than that, they have Danny Shelton and Austin Johnson. Sure, they're good role players, but, you know, against that O-line last year, they didn't do well. They slightly yeah. downgraded at that position, and I would not expect anything different, to be honest with you. Yeah, and um, yeah, the Browns had a period last year where where the offensive line went where where they gave up like two sacks over one or two sacks over like five games. So um, yeah, Jedrick Wills has you know he's on his second season this year, so you got to figure he's going to look a little better at left tackle. And they have everybody else back, so if these guys can stay healthy and they've got you know got other guys behind them have looked really good. Michael Dunn's looked really good. A lot of people really like him and. And and you mentioned a lot of the other guys, um, a lot of a lot of good backups there if something happens. 
Now, in terms of the linebacker position for both teams, obviously there are concerns. Uh, for the Giants, we don't know who's going to pair next to Blake Martinez, who had an awesome season last year. Uh, there is some experience behind the linebackers for the Cleveland Browns as well. To headline them real quick, they have Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker, Sion Takitaki, Elijah Lee, Jacob Phillips, JOK, and Malcolm Smith. Uh, you look at the New York Giants linebacking core to be specific, not including outside linebackers, just the inside spot. Tay Crowder, Blake Martinez, Devontae Downs, TJ Brunson, who is, well, I should update that, he tore his ACL. Ryan Anderson, I'm surprised he did not play. But Blake Martinez, Reggie Ragland, and Carter Coughlin. Uh, other than that, in terms of that, uh, I already outlined the two. I would probably say just a little bit on the Giants side. Obviously, JOK played well last week against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. But Blake Martinez and Reggie Ragland, they're veterans. You know, Reggie Ragland isn't the greatest linebacker of all time. Everybody knows that. He was kind of a draft bust with, I believe, was the Buffalo Bills. And he's been bouncing and bouncing from place to place. But I think Patrick Graham is going to make it work where, oh, my God, we don't need, you know, a second star linebacker. It's going to be Reggie Ragland, Tay Crowder, and a couple other guys within the inside spot. And Carter Coughlin, the seventh-round pick from Minnesota from last year, he played well against the Jets, making a total of five tackles, one tackle for a loss. And he just converted from the edge position. So, you know, it was definitely encouraging to see, and obviously his versatility plays into that. But I'm going to give the New York Giants the slight edge at linebacker. Obviously, Mac Wilson was the pick out of Alabama a couple years ago. They do have Malcolm Smith, uh, the uh, Super Bowl champion from the Seattle Seahawks, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, Malcolm Smith's kind of probably fighting for a job. Um, Mac Wilson's been been injured again, and uh, so it kind of comes down to, to uh, JOK. Um, Anthony Walker's not going to play. You'll see Malcolm Smith. You'll see uh, you'll see Jacob Phillips, who. Um, you know, was a draft pick last year, and he was injured a lot last season, so he doesn't have a lot of experience. He, he's a guy that's got a lot of speed, a lot of tools. So, but you know, he's still developing, um, but he's got a lot of promise. So, you know, you'll see those guys, and you'll see Taki Taki. Uh, Taki Taki will play because there's just really not that many other guys that they're going to put out there right now. So, um, yeah, the Browns have some guys, but. Uh, they're kind of fighting the injury bug right now and kind of hoping everybody's ready by by week one yeah definitely and obviously once again this is week two of the preseason developing draft picks and stuff like that but if i was a head coach if you were a head coach if a lot of other people were head coaches they'd probably say hey let's save these guys for week one which is more important than week yeah. two the preseason but uh, slightly i would give the giants the linebacker spot so real quickly going into the safety spot which is probably the last spot where uh, we're going to preview for today. Uh, the Giants have Dribble Preppers and Logan Ryan. Then you break into the second squad, which is Julian Love and Xavier McKinney. Then you break into the three squad, which is Quincy Wilson, Montre Hartage, and Chris Johnson. Then you look at the safety spot for the Cleveland Browns. They signed John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, the former Jacksonville Jaguar. Grant Delpit obviously making his way. I don't know that he'll play a lot. If he does, probably not. Um, yeah, he's not going to play. Brett I don't think any of those three guys will play, actually. Those, I don't think any of those three guys will play. Ronnie Harrison, I guess, is potential. But I'd kind of be surprised if he plays because he's just coming back off a hamstring, too. So they'll probably hold him out. So that probably makes my 
deciding in terms makes of your decision a little bit easier. I mean, the Browns have some other guys that are playing well. So um, Richard Richard LeCount um, looked really good in the first season, you know, in the first uh, preseason game. But he's uh, he's a rookie, six round pick. So you know, how much weight are you going to put on him? But he really looked like he knows what he's doing. Uh, Javante Moffat um, has been excellent in practice for the Browns. He's been on the team for a few years. And then, um, you know, uh, that's pretty much it. So So for the Giants, uh, obviously you also mentioned on the back end what they have. So probably in terms of this, I'd probably just say cut to the chase. The Giants slightly have a better safety crew. Obviously, that can definitely go into debate if this was a regular season game and if everybody was healthy. Because John Johnson, obviously, was a good signing. Grant Delpit would probably be healthy in the regular season. Sheldrick Redwine, Ronnie Harrison, etc., etc. Well, I would give the Giants the slight W there. Um, that pretty much, I guess, wraps it up for the preview. Um, Rod, any last words, man? Thank you for coming on once again. Absolutely. Um, yeah, glad to do it. Good talking to you. And um, I just, uh, you know, it, it'll be fun watching the game. Um, I, I, I actually enjoy these preseason games, not only to watch football, but to, to watch these guys deep down on the roster that are fighting for spots and to see how they perform. And because, I mean, they're fighting for their for their NFL life and, you know, they can they could do some special things out there. So it's pretty cool. So, but most, you know, so I'm looking for a good game. I hope it's a great game between the Browns and the giants, but most of all, I hope nobody gets hurt on either team. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously a lot of people have turned off the mode of liking the preseason of the last couple of years of injury concerns and stuff like that. I like to see, you know, summer football and stuff like that, especially with the young guys. Once again, like you said, fighting for their lives, fighting for, the, for their NFL careers. You know, a lot of people won't understand being that position, but it's their thoughts, their prerogative, whatever. Um, but if you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on the notification button so you get notified when live stream pops video drops. Rod, thanks for coming on, man. Hope the Giants and Browns play a good game on Sunday. Absolutely.